Let's go to the Word. All right, now, I've, I, I woke up this morning, God really speaking into my heart and mind, and uh, this Word's been in me all day, and uh, it's going to be a little bit abstract and odd, okay? going to take you on a little journey. Uh, but if you'll hang with me, hopefully it'll end up somewhere, and, and we'll be blessed by the Lord, okay? So um, it's more of a discussion than a, than a three-point sermon. Uh, and some revelation here. And basically what we're going to talk about tonight is the timing of God. All right? So what I want you to realize, first of all, is that God is outside of time. Amen? Let's ask God to bless this. Father, would you bless our time and our discussion tonight about you and the Word and your authority and power in time and space and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, God gave Moses a name when Moses was at the burning bush and he said, who am I going to tell the Israelites has sent me? What is the name, uh, God, of who you are? And he gave the Tetragrammaton, the YHVH, the Yahweh, uh, his name, which means I am that I am, which is a self-existent name. It is a name outside of past, present, and future, it's a name outside of time. He is always self-existence. And, and what's amazing about this is it's always in the present. He's always here. I am that I am. There was never a time when he was what he was or will be what he's going to be. I am that I am. All right? So before time began, the I am is I am. And I will be who I am. Okay, And so it's an amazing name. If you would take time to just meditate on it, you will see that it has authority and power over time. And most of us are in a battle over time. Did you know that? Right? I mean, your, your time is numbered on this earth. Your days are numbered, are they not? And the earth is set up in a revolution around a sun which counts off days, which counts off the seconds and minutes of your life. And so you're in an issue with time. So it's really good to know the one who is above and beyond all time. Right? And so you wrestle with time. You fight with time all the time. But I am that I am, the ever-present one. When God wants to solve a solution, He doesn't have to worry about time. Since He's outside of time... You might be in a situation where you need God to answer immediately. Well, there is no immediately with God. God doesn't have to be rushed for anything. He's got all of eternity to come into a millisecond of our time to solve a problem. God knows the beginning and the end from this thing, and He can make it work immediately in the realm of eternity. Now, I told you we're going to try and blow your mind here because this is beyond what you could imagine. C.S. Lewis put it this way when he talked about, in Mere Christianity, the, the eternality about God. He said, God is like a writer as he's sitting at his desk writing. Of course, he's not doing that. This is an analogy. He's writing, and he's saying, and Sue heard a knock at the door. And he puts his pen down, the writer, and he says, I'm going to have some lunch right now. And he goes out, and he gets a burger, and eats some fries and he has a milkshake. Now, I'm not saying God's eating burger fries and milkshakes, okay? So he's doing all that and he goes and he stops and makes a phone call to Aunt Louise, says, hi, how are you? Then he gets back to his writing and he says, and Sue immediately got up and answered the door. 
Now, you don't know the time it took from the author, from sentence to sentence, from a period to the next phrase that's written. You don't know what the author did in between that time. It just reads sequentially as an event. But that's how God is, as C.S. Lewis puts it, outside of time. So when you say, oh God, immediately help me! He's got all of eternity to help you within that millisecond. So he's never troubled, he's never hurried, he's never anxious because he's outside of what governs our lives. He, in fact, governs all things. And so he is the I am that I am. So as I was considering this issue of time this morning and I was praying, I began to hear that phrase from Jesus, I am the Alpha and Omega. And I began to meditate about that, the Alpha and the Omega, which means these are the beginning letter of the Greek alphabet and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He's saying I'm the A to Z, okay? So he's saying I'm the beginning and the end. But something struck me. As a matter of fact, there is no beginning and there is no end in God. Right? So why would he say he's the beginning and he's the end, within the nature of Christ, there is no beginning and there is no end. So this title is not about him for himself. It's a title for us. All right? So let me give you an example, uh, if I can. The Alpha is the beginning of history. He's saying, I'm the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything that was made was made by Him, and nothing that was made wasn't made without Him. He's the one who made everything. Therefore, He's the Alpha. So when creation began, when time began, when history began, when man began, it began in Him. Jesus. So this is a reference to time. When he says, I'm the beginning and the end, it's a reference to human time and history. Because there is no beginning and end to God. You see what I'm saying? So everything in human history has to deal with him. It all began from him. I don't know if you've been watching the news lately, but uh, scientists have now said they have decoded the Big Bang. They know when the Big Bang started and they know how it began and they have a picture of some weird wave. There it is. That's it. Really, they'd be better off putting a picture of Jesus. And we'd say, that's how it started. He's the Big Bang. When he spoke, things happened. He's the Alpha. Now, if he's the Alpha, the beginning of time, what is he also? The Omega, the end of time. So all human history begins and ends with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. When he said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, he's not just talking about I'm your beginning and end. He's talking about a much higher level of everything saying, everything's about me. I'm the beginning by which everything started and everything is supposed to exist by, by him and all things were made by him and for him. In Colossians 1.15, he says, I'm the Alpha, I'm the Omega. When everything ends, Remember, what's the last book of the Bible? The book of Revelation. Revelation, not revelations. Revelation. It's one revelation. 
The first line tells us this is a book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. In the end, everything's about him. Okay? I want that to build you up so the fact that you know everybody's talking about this and they're doing that and doing this. All human history, all time, every second, every moment is about him. When he said, I'm the Alpha and I'm the Omega, I'm everything human history is about. Isn't that awesome? Now, I began to consider that, that everything's about him. When he, It's about this whole time period, this whole opportunity we get to be involved for some 80, 90 years potentially in a story about him. This isn't about you and about your comfort level and about what you acquire and about what you get. We get about 60, 70, 80 years, whoever, however long you get to live, to live in a story about him. That's what this is about. You getting this? It's about him. Now, he said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Everything's about me. It's through me, in me, about me. And then I began to consider a, a phrase that I also heard uh, in, in Scripture that says, in the fullness of time, Christ came. The book of Galatians says that when the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, under the law. Mark 1.15, when Jesus came forth in his ministry, he said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So there's a fullness here. The fullness of time has come, right? So, so what fills out human history is the fact that the fullness of human history is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So time became pregnant History began. Now, the fullness of time wasn't the end. The fullness of time was when Christ came and revealed himself as the promise of all things. And he came and sacrificed himself. That's the fullness of time. That's what makes the Alpha and Omega have value and fullness was the revelation of his love for us through the cross. And so that's the fullness the entire Old Testament, the Alpha to the, to the coming of Messiah was all about preparation for Him to come. The time from which He came in His fullness to the Omega till the end of it is the time now that is the fulfillment of the promise being brought forth. That's, that's amazing to me. Time is full of Jesus now, we set our calendars, B.C., before Christ, A.D. Uh, we, we call it after Christ. It's Latin, and uh, I don't remember what it means. But the point being, our calendars are set because of the fullness of time of Christ being revealed. Don't let a secular society rob that from us. This is the most important thing. This is the meaning of time. Now, what's really cool is where we live in this time continuum. We have the privilege, brothers and sisters, of living in the fullness of His cross. He then says this in Ephesians 
4.11, And he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to equip the saints to the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the fullness of time that's coming is a fullness in Christ. This fullness then that we're living in as time continuum goes on to the Omega is the full stature of Jesus. We're to bring the full measure of Christ in the time remaining into this time period. Isn't that cool? Now, where are we? You know, you ever go and you look at a map when you're going on a travel or a journey and it says, you are here. I actually don't know how close we are to the church coming into its full stature of representing Christ, but we're certainly 2,000 years further from when Christ came and closer to when he's going to return. What a privilege you and I have to live in these days to bring the fullness of Christ. Amen? Now, let's stop living below the fullness level. Let's press in to bring the fullness of Christ. That's why we're learning. Like we sat here and we said, okay, Holy Spirit, give us words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Let's utilize the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's function in them. Let's begin to see people getting saved in greater measure, people getting healed in greater measure. There's a fullness here that we've got to press into. The enemy doesn't want you to press into it. But if you would discern the times and know the times, right? Isn't that what prophetic is supposed to do? To discern the times? Why should we discern the times? Because times are important. There's going to be a beginning. There's going to be an end. We're in the fullness of it. We're close to the end. And we're supposed to bring the full maturation of Christ into this world. So let's discern what God wants to do in our midst. So let me ask you this. With this issue of the Alpha and Omega, is Jesus your Alpha and Omega personally. Now, concerning this whole issue of beginning and end, it's all about Him. We're closer to the end and we need Him to come fullness through us. Let me ask you this question. Is He your beginning and is He your end? So, let me ask this question. Deuteronomy 28.6 begins to express the blessings God was going to give to Israel and He says this, Blessed you shall be when you come in and blessed you shall be when you go out. He's got you covered. He says in Psalm 121, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth forevermore. Is your beginning and your ending covered? Let me ask you this. When, when did you get saved? How many of you got saved between when you were between the ages of 1 and 20? Okay. How many of you got saved between 20 and 40? Oh, okay, more than more of the more there. How many of you got saved between forty and eighty? Okay. All right. It seems like the largest number was between twenty and forty. Okay. Can I tell you, those of you that are saved, that God was your alpha when you were in the womb? It it might have been when you were twenty five, it might would have been when you were thirty five that you surrendered your life to God, but God was there, had called you out in your womb. 
He was your alpha before you even knew it. You were just a little bit. He was your alphabet. You were just a little bit. But, see, this is what happens when you get saved. You know, typically as, as Pentecostals, evangelicals, we, we look at this and we, we go, you know, those predestination people, those sovereign people who talk about God's elect and all this, that's, that's a little bit hard. We know the free will of man. But once you get saved and you know it, you can look back and go, I knew God had his hand on me the whole time. You do, don't you? He was your alpha before you even recognized him. And he will be your omega too. He's got your coming and your going. You need to consider God as grand and as amazing as he is. He's bigger than you are. And he's had things, he's had your life planned out. Now, when the fullness came, when you came into Christ in the fullness, he's already your beginning and your ending. You've come to realize that. Then he engineered you getting saved. You didn't pick him. He had chosen you. He had called on you, right? We love him because he what? Loved us first, right? So when you came in, but when did the fullness come into your life? When did Christ as Savior come into your life? That's when I asked that question. That's when the fullness began. And now, from the fullness, is he your maturing? Are you in the place of maturing? You're in a time of fullness. You have, I don't know how many years left in your life. I don't know. God chooses the time and the days for your life. So, are you growing? And you have to ask this question. Am I growing in representing Jesus Christ? It's time to get to work. Stop bouncing around. Stop floundering around. Get rooted and grounded in the Lord and say, I am going to grow in Jesus Christ. Last Wednesday, we put the past behind us and we're moving forward. You are now moving forward. You have a limited amount of time left in your life till you graduate to be with Jesus. So be bold. Give it all you got. Give it the gusto. And live for Jesus. Pray big. Live big. Speak large. Declare the Lord. Amen? Because it's all about Him. You know that from beginning to end. It always was. I'm not going to be tripped up anymore. I'm not going to go around the same mountain anymore. I am pressing forward like never before. That's what God's looking for in this day and this hour. A people who discern that the time is short. And, and how many of you know the devil knows the time is short? So we need to get our fighting shoes on. Now, let me then go a little bit deeper now with this personal aspect of God and time. There are two words in the Greek for time. One is chronos, which means a length of successive time. Can you think of an English word from chronos? Chronology, right? So it's a successive amount of time. So when you consider Jesus as the alpha and the omega, the chronos, the analogy is from the beginning all the way through till the end, all right? And so there's a series of events. There's, there's uh, you know, how many years to a decade and, and how many days in a year and how many... Uh, minutes in an hour. You know, this is the chronos, the, the chronological setting of order. And then the other word is the karos, the karos, and that is a specific point in time. It is the second of the minute. You see what I'm saying? It's punctiliar. 
We get another word in our English language from that word. Punctiliar meaning punctuate. Right? A punctuated time. Something happened. Now, there are two ways in which people get saved. People get saved in a chronos or a punctuated time where they have come to a knowledge of Jesus. They seek God. They, they speak a, a, a prayer of salvation and immediately they're saved. They could tell you the hour, the date, maybe the church service and, and tell you when they got saved. It was punctiliar. They felt it, they knew it, and they had it. Now, a lot of us want everyone to get saved that way. That's why a lot of times we say, let's have an altar call for that punctiliar moment. Let's, let me witness to someone and let me lead them to Christ right then and there. And people do get saved in that manner. But that's not the only way people get saved. People also get saved in a chronos matter. Line upon line, precept upon precept. See, I grew up in a Christian home. I can't give you a day and an hour when I accepted Jesus Christ. I can't tell you May 8th, 1960-something. I can't give you a puncture. It, it was in my life. And I had different levels of surrendering to God and knowing Him. Some of you may know that. Some of you have been, yeah, I've known the Lord. I've known Him, but I've pressed in further and all that. So it's been this gradual work. Don't think that in your evangelism and you're reaching out to people, it always have to, has to be this punctiliar moment that we got them saved. You're watering. You're feeding. Paul says, I plant. Someone else waters. But God brings the increase. So your testimony at work is actually working on people in a chronos time, a chronological time. Over a period, they're getting watered by you, fed by you, and coming to God by you. Now, only God knows the punctiliar moment when they actually, boom, had the Spirit of God come into them but we may not see that, and they may not know that. So if some of you are like, gee, I never had that moment, don't worry about it. Know that God had birthed you, though you may not know the exact moment of time, but you should know whether you've been birthed by God's Spirit or not. All right, so concerning this time, listen to this, Genesis 1.14. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Here's the time. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. So why did time begin? He put lights in the heavens, the sun and the moon. Isn't that time? He created this before the fall. Right? So this is before the fall. Man was not supposed to die. You with me? Is that right? Okay, so why did he put man in a clock? Because that's what planet Earth is. It's a big clock. And time began to tick if they're not supposed to die. Well, it says right here. I'm not trying to trick you. It says right here. For signs and for seasons and for lights. You've got to have lights on. <laughs> there's a nighttime. There's a daytime. Our lives, this isn't part of the fall. Our lives are set upon time set upon a time to rest, 
time to sleep and a time to rise. That was part of the creation of God, not the fall, but just the normal creation of God. Adam and Eve were supposed to go to sleep. When the sun goes down, nighty-night, so that their bodies would be restored. And, and there were seasons established. God established seasons in the earth. Why? For a cycle of life, so that we would sow and reap. And this kind of process of our lives and sleep and wake. God put rhythm into our lives. God put sequencing into our lives. God put timing in our lives for us to function and all of it as a sign to him and his wisdom. Okay? And he counted, called them days. This is the first day and the evening of the first day. So he called night and day even before Adam and Eve fell. So time was important even before the fall. I can't figure that all out. But what is time all about? Jesus. <laughs> and he's the beginning of time. He's the ending of time. He's the every second of time. He's every season. Every season is to show us and reveal his majesty and his glory. They were to learn how to cultivate the garden. You would cultivate according to seasons. And all of this was to give them the mysteries of the nature of God himself. Well, have you ever considered that in your life, even in a fallen life, the night and the day and the seasons and the times of your life are to show you and reveal God? You're not here just to wander day after day. These things were set for you to understand and know God. To rest in Him. They're all signs to show Him. The struggles you're going through. The season of life right now that's been so hard on you. And you know it's just a season I'm going to get through it. It's something that God is doing and allowing so you'll draw closer to Him. Everything is about Him. Every second that ticks off, every minute that goes forward, there's no, no such thing as wasted time on his part and what he's allowed to come into your life. None of it should be wasted. All of it should be redeemed as a sign and a symbol to him. How many of you could say that you've had tragedy in your life? Let me see your hands. Who's had tragedy here? Okay. I'm not saying hard times. I'm saying tragedy. Again, let, let me see the hands. How many of you have had tragedy? Okay. Now, how many of you would think, you know, it'd be great to go back and change all that and to change that tragedy and change that trauma? Can we do that? No, we can't. Can we trust that God would redeem even the most tragic events of our lives and weave them together for good. We can believe that. You see, we look at time differently now that we serve the time master, the one who holds all time in his hands. We have to know that he's a redeemer of all things. And so Ecclesiastes says, there is a time, a time, for every purpose and season under heaven. 
right? For every activity under heaven. Ecclesiastes 3.1. And it uses the word karos. There is a time for everything. Now, the word he uses in Ecclesiastes is this. There is a karos, not chronos. And so there is a time for every purpose and activity under heaven. Who sets that time? It's got to be God. Yeah, but the devil gets to do what he wants to do. People have free will, right? There's all sorts of activities. Somebody drove a plane into those towers and many people got killed. Did God organize that? No. But he knew the time it was going to take place. He knew what was going to happen. That's hard to deal with, isn't it? He knew the tragedy in your life was going to happen. He didn't change it. Sometimes he changes it. Sometimes through prayer, things are altered. But not always. How do we deal with that? Because there is a time. A time to laugh and a time to cry. A time to war and a time for peace. The writer of Ecclesiastes lists all that's involved in human life. There's a timing in all of it. And could it be that God would allow us to go free form to do our will, to do our thing, to let the devil get in it and cause man to make his decisions and all his choices. And God is sovereign enough to let us make the biggest mess and and create all these issues in each other's lives, but yet bring it all together for his purpose and will. I think there's a greater sovereignty in that than him doing every activity. He allows us to freely do what we're supposed to do or what we want to do or what we shouldn't do. But yet, His sovereignty takes care of all of it and will weave it together for good. Can you trust Him for that? There is a season and a time for everything. Again, I don't know what you're going through. You may not like what has just happened. You may not like the news you just got. It was the time that it came to you. You can't change it. Here it is. But can you trust God to get through it? Can you trust God that you can make it and that you will still give Him glory through it? That is faith. It goes on in Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in what? It's time. We're back to, again, the word karos. There is a timing for everything. James says, let patience have her perfect or complete work. There is a timing in everything. And we ask God why. And we shake our fist at Him. I've done this a number of times. And I'm mad at Him. Why did you let this happen? How many of you have ever said that? Why did you let this happen? Because in a moment of time, something happened that was out of all of our control. And it seems like the devil did it, and it seemed like it was evil. It seems like it was horrible, and God allowed it to happen. If he's God, he's God. He knew it was going to happen, and he allowed it to happen. Why did you let it happen? And he says, he makes everything beautiful in its time. God doesn't view life and death like we view life and death. What is a tragedy to us may be actually a beautiful design to him. If he ran the world according to our likes and dislikes, can you imagine the mess we'd be in? 
but he makes all things beautiful. He works all things together, Romans 8, 28. He works all things together, right? For those who are called according to his purpose and will, he works all things together. He makes all things beautiful in its time. I have been through things that I have been absolutely ruined, broken beyond anything I think I could have ever repaired, and thinking, what is the value of life? And, and I mean, it was done. But as I stand now, recovered from that, in the scheme of all the things that have happened in my life to bring me to the place I'm in now, I know God does things beautifully. I can look at the worst tragedies of my life and know that God has brought beauty to me, even from ashes. Because I know He's in control. There will be value. Listen, if there is no God, then all this tragedy is for nothing. For nothing. The tragedy and the trauma of your life, if there is no God that can weave something beautiful out of it and make it worthwhile, if there is no God, then what a complete waste. And it has no value at all. I can't buy that. I can't believe that. And I don't know how the world lives with that. That's why alcohol and drugs are on such a rise. Because without God, life is meaningless. And the seconds tick by and the minutes go by and they can't handle it. Peter said this, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, Kairos, he may exalt you. You've been waiting, haven't you? God use me. I've been waiting, training, working, waiting. Why won't you use me? You used him, 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 and him. You used them, 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 and them. What about me? There's going to be a Kairos moment. There's going to be a proper time for you. And if you move outside of that proper timing, it won't work as well as what he had planned. Humble yourselves. Wait upon the Lord. There will be the moment he calls you into action. Last of all, Galatians says this, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in what? Due season. The season that is due. Kairos. The timing that is right for that moment will come to pass if we don't give up. You can give up on a Kairos moment that God's planning. Now, he'll do something with it. <laughs> he'll work around your schedule. God had something planned for us. I think all of us, I'm sure God had something planned and we just quit on him. Right? We quit on him. We gave up. He goes, okay, let's put that moment off a little longer until we can get this guy around this mountain one more time. But he'll bring it to pass. It may have been delayed and delayed and delayed by us, not him. But he'll bring it to pass. But he says in its due, due means the time appointed, the time appointed season. And so I give you this entire sermon on time so that we can pray into it. So I speak this all into you for this time of prayer that we're going into. 
so that you would recognize something about your life right now at 8.05 on March 18th. Yes, I'm just a little behind. Always was. (laughs) 8.05, March 19th. Could there be a Kairos moment that God is going to reach into your heart and mind right now? I want to pray for that. I want you to know that you're already in his chronos time. You're already in that. He is working a work in you. Some people tonight will have a kairos moment. Something will be released for you tonight. That, bam, was punctiliar. It was was meant for right now, 8.06. Well, we better wait. For some of you, it's 8.18. I'm joking, but... He comes into time, doesn't he? He works inside of time. Now, all of you who belong to him are in a chronos. You're in a chronological work that he's doing. But some of us tonight, we're going to pray into this. We'll maybe have a kairos moment, a, a something that's going to be loosed, a healing, a deliverance, a revelation, a thought. You know how powerful thoughts are? An idea, right? Or taking something away from you or settling an issue. The due season is here. So what do we have to do for the timing of God? Let me summarize this up again. Forgive me if I'm talking too much. But remember, he's the alpha and the omega. So he is the beginning of time and the end of time. So for your life, he's the beginning of your life. He's the end of your life. He is all that. And everything in your life is chronos, according to him. It is moving from a beginning to a fulfillment, to a fullness. Christ came into your life in the fullness of time. You are now living in fullness of His majesty and His purpose so that He will mature in you to the full marker of what you're supposed to become. And in that, He is now going to release in time, in space, a sign, a revelation, a purpose, a rest, or a movement, or a sowing, or a reaping, Something is what he's trying to accomplish in your life in this human time frame. Because it's all about him. And you have the privilege of letting him into your life and time to impact planet Earth. So what must you do in this? Number one, be prepared for it. If you're prepared for it, you will more likely receive it. So prepare your heart to receive from God. You've been praying. Prepare your faith to receive it. Believe it. Right? And just by you being here, you're preparing yourself. I know you're prepared. So what you've been praying into, prepare yourself to receive it. Prepare for it. Secondly, wait for it. Is the timing of it right? Discern it. Discern what He wants to do. Discern how He wants you to move. Discern your positioning for Him in all of this. Have wisdom and discernment. Thirdly, when it comes, don't hesitate. Is it God? Is it not God? Should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? Come on. You know the voice of the Lord. You've been praying on something. If it comes into your life, move on it. How many of us have, through our lack of faith or being unsure or compromising if we should do something, have waited on God and missed what He was trying to accomplish in us. Last of all, trust Him. Move and act on this. 
Trust Him that He will do it. He is your Alpha, your Omega, your fulfillment, and the fullness of Christ. It's all about Him for you now to demonstrate His presence in time and in space. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus.